video clip for you, and I don't have a, three or four changes of clothes. I just have me. <laughs> so I hope that's enough. For those of you visitors here, you have to come see our pastor when he's here because he, he'll give you a different outlook on things. Uh, I do have a praise report from Kenya for you. Uh, just wanted to pass along this great, awesome news of what God has done in to my leadership development conference outside Nanyuki. 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 See, I'm doing good. In Nanyuki prison, we preached to approximately 60 men and had six salvations. In the leadership and training conference, we trained 97 pastors and leaders. As part of the training, we sent them out in teams and had 178 gospel presentations, 72 professions of faith, and all in about 40 minutes. <laughs> Take that, Satan. Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. Great things have been done. Love you all, Aaron. God is working. And he's not stopped working. How, how many of you love the old song, Amazing Grace? I don't care where I'm at. Every time they sing that song, it gets me here. And it comes out here. To know that my Savior went to the cross and died and bled. Just I might have the opportunity to do what I do today. To do all that, know that. And to know that he's there, taking care of me, watching over me, making ways where there are no ways. He's taking care of all that stuff. And I don't have to be frustrated. I don't have to be worried. I just have to know that I can trust him. Along that line of trusting, we need for you to pray. If you've seen the news, you know that that volcano is sending ash all across Europe. Aaron's supposed to start back toward here Tuesday. And he's supposed to fly into London and fly out of London to get here. So if that ash doesn't move, since we're flying on Kenya Airlines, the only place it goes is to London or Europe. So that means he's going to have to walk across the water. And I, he's, he's a good boy, and I think he does well, but I'm not sure that that would be a possibility right now at the present time. So you need to pray that God, God will send a wind, which they say could happen in the next couple of days, and move that ash away so they can fly in and out of London. My God's good. And what I have to give you this morning, I think, is good. I think it's good. I hope you think the same thing after you're, I'm done. If you don't like what I have to say, then you can hold Jensen Franklin responsible because he started this in my heart a month ago. I was watching him on a Sunday morning while uh, Jim was getting ready to go. And I've developed a real close liking for the guy. I mean, he speaks the truth. He does right. He does... He has a church in Georgia, and he has a church in California, and he pastors them both. Don't ask me how he does that. I don't know, but that's what it happens. And I was watching him this morning, and he was in Haiti eight hours before the earthquake hit. Praise God. Bless God. He got out before the earthquake hit. But now he's back over there trying to do what a lot of us are trying to do, feed them and clothe them and do all that stuff. I'm thankful for that. But God has a call for all of us. And if you don't think so, then I'm going to tell you that your feeler must be dead. 
Because God didn't call you to do what you do just so you can come in and fill a church pew Sunday morning and that'd be the end of it. We have more to do than we can handle sometimes. And sometimes God will put us in a position where we don't think that we can do it. And Satan will get in your heart and in your mind and he'll convince you that you can't do it. But my God says you can do that. Whatever he calls you. He will never call you to do something that he knows that you can't do. He may call you to do something that's going to stretch you a lot. He may call you to do something that's going to make you feel uncomfortable. Right, Joel? But that's God. By the way, if you don't know Joel Gorby, did the meet and greet, May the 1st. He's graduating from Circleville Bible College or Christian University. On May the 16th, I, I, I ran this by the pastor's wife last night, so I guess it's okay for me to say something. On May the 16th, we're trying to get together something a little bit special to celebrate his time. And as time goes on here, next week or so, or two or three, we'll let you know what we got planned. But uh, keep that in mind. He's a blessing to me. I don't, he and I have been together for a while. I've been doing this home group thing for 10 years now, give or take. And... Uh, when we first started coming here to church, you've all heard the story. I probably told everybody. When, you get, when these people here, these stupid people here, these idiot people here, start talking about home groups, I'm going, oh, my God, what's that going to mean? And I, fi- I found out that it's been the greatest blessing of my life. Because in that, I have developed me a second family that we share and we talk and we laugh and we tease and we do all the stuff the normal family does. And it does good things for us. So you have to understand that sometimes God will do that, put you in a position where you think he's lost his mind. You think, God, how in the world do you think I can do that? I just live in Ross County, Ohio. Ross County is like nowhere. But God says, no, that's okay. I'm going to read you some stories here out of the Bible where guys got called to do things and they really weren't comfortable with what they were called to do. Go with me, if you will, to Exodus, the third chapter. We'll start reading about the seventh verse. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. To a place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. All themites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And that I should bring the children of Israel out. Moses had a problem. He thought God was calling him to do something he was not prepared to do, couldn't do, didn't know how to do, didn't know how to get there. God ever done that to you? Has he ever put you in a place where you're going, look God, I can't talk well. I stutter a lot. Hallelujah. Uh, I, 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 I don't look well. I have a fat belly. 
People may not give, like that part of me. So how can I go do what you have me to do? You have to understand, again, that I just said a while ago, God will not put you in a place to do something that you're not capable of doing. He may put you in a position of leadership that you don't care about, don't want to do that. I've never been there. I've never been a leader. I don't ever care about doing that. But God will do that to you because he knows. Because he knows. That's number one. That's the first time Moses said, I don't want to. Go on to start with verse 12. So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be signed to you that I have sent you. When you have, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God in the mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them that God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? And what shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me. Moses is all worried about what the children of Israel were going to do, how they were going to receive him. Because, you know, he was, he'd been the, king, the Pharaoh's son, adopted. So he was therefore worried about the children of Israel might not accept him back, might not want him there. And I, I have to tell you, it's probably in your Christian walk, sometimes there's going to be some people who don't want you there. So sometimes when you get really into this world thing that's going on around us and the people are all tied up in knots and worried about global warming and how the economy's going to fare and what's going to happen tomorrow and how it's going to work out and you're still kind of happy through all this mess they don't want you around they're thinking you've lost your mind how can you be happy when everything's so upside down you just have to tell them I am sent me <laughs> you may not like me here but I am sent me here now here I am you understand? Here I am. I am sent me here to this place for this time. I am sent me to Gladfield for a time just like this. I, I can't explain it. I don't even want to try to explain it to you, but I am sent me there for whatever. He put me in home group ministry because I am sent me there. And that's what we have to understand. I am is in control. I am is in control. Moses wanted out. Number two. Number two reason he wanted out. Skip on over to uh, the, the 18th verse. Then they will heed your voice, and you shall come, and you sh- the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to them, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us, and now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not even by a mighty hand. So will I stretch out my hand and strike Egypt and all? That's not where I really wanted to read. Like my highlighter bled through. Skip on down to the first verse of the fourth chapter. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me nor listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. Moses is trying to come up with another excuse, reason why he couldn't do what God said for him to do. Moses trying to God, you know, they're, they're going to say that you never sent me. So what am I going to do now? So what am I going to do now? Reason number three. Now skip over to the 10th verse of the fourth chapter. Then Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. 
But I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And I may stutter every now and then, and I may mess up, and I may not read right things right. And I put words, general education gets after me because I put words in there that aren't there. I don't ask me why, my brain, brain just functions that way. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth, or who makes the mute, the deaf, and the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. But he said, O my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. He's begging now. Please send somebody else. Please send somebody else. I don't know what I'm going to do. Please send somebody else. Now, God's just about had enough. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, you will be glad, he will be glad in his heart. Now you will speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth. And I will teach you what you shall do. After this time, Moses finally got the idea that he was going to be going to go do the thing God said for him to do. And I, I don't know, I hope that we don't cross over a path where God gets a little bit angry with us. When we don't do what God said for us to do. When we don't walk like God said for us to go. When we don't walk it out exactly the way that God wants us to walk it out. Every now and then I can tell you, when I keep telling God I can't, I can't. I can't, I can't, I don't know how, I can't. Sooner or later, he gets my attention by something. By some way, somehow, some form, he gets my attention. And that's what he does. Because you see, I believe that there are things each one of us are called to do that only we can do. God would find somebody else, but he'd a whole lot rather prefer that you would do it. And that's what he wants from us. Because you see, we don't have to be afraid. If we honestly believe in our heart that God is who he says he is, and God will do what he said he would do. Rachel told us the other day, and I didn't know this, that sometime back, Aaron got a word from the Lord that said he would be walking on foreign soil. Well, for the last week, he's been doing that. God is God, and God has a plan, and God has a work that he wants to take place. God has things that we can do that need to be taken care of. If you could do the, the, the compassion thing, and that's what God has called you to do, jump in. Go with both feet. Anybody get the letter from Philip Cameron where he had the picture of the fire? I'm thinking... You know what? During that week, he'd been here, and he went home, and the hot water tank blew up at his house and ruined three rooms or whatever. And then the fire. Oh, you want to take that one? Okay. Hello. Okay, I'm back. But God is who he is and he does what he says he can do. And we need to know that and understand that and believe that with all that we know. That God is God. And God done that. And God will do that. And God will take care of us. 
He's never ever took anybody out in the wilderness or wherever they took, would take them to and left them there. Never. The Israelites wandered 40 years, but he saw a way out for them. We need to know that. That's what he does. I want to tell you about one more guy. This is in the first chapter of Jonah. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. And Jonah was glad to do it, and he ran right in and started preaching. He didn't? Oh. Okay. Well, it says, But Jonah rose to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish for the presence of the Lord. Now, most of us know the rest of the story. As he got in the ship and started out across the water, a big storm came up. And the boat was ready to sink. And the crew couldn't figure out why the storm was there. And they couldn't figure out what was going on. So they took lots. And the lot fell on Jonah. They knew that he was the culprit. They knew that he was the one that was causing them to sink. So they decided they needed to get him out of the boat. So they threw him out of the boat. And he was about to drown except God prepared a fish. And the fish swallowed him up. And after three days in the belly of that fish, Jonah decided going to Nineveh was not such a bad idea. I don't know. I, I probably would agree with that. I don't think that being in the belly of a fish would be the best place in the world to be. So he went to Nineveh and he preached like he was supposed to and do what God said for him to do. Then what happened to Jonah? He got mad. Why would you be going to go to preach to people and they respond and they get saved and then you get mad about it? What is that? We need to understand that God is God. And God had a plan from the beginning for this thing for Nineveh. They were not even close to being Christian. I can tell you that right now. They were not even close. And God had a plan. He wanted Jonah to perform that plan. To take care of that and to work it out. And that's what he did. Saved the whole place. According to what I read. <laughs> that's what God does. He does that stuff. He does the things right and well. There's another story. It's, it's referred to in Numbers 21-17. Now, Jen, you got to help me. The Israelites were out in the wilderness trying to find some water. And they couldn't find any water. And I'm filling in the blanks here. This is kind of the gospel according to Jensen Franklin. And they were out there trying to find water, couldn't find it. So God said, call for the elders and have them bring their staffs out and start poking the ground. So they called for the elders, and the elders came out and started poking the ground.
spring up a well came forth. They thought people thought they were crazy because they were doing that. I got a mic back. Hello. You have to understand that God has a plan and a purpose and a way he's working in you, which may not seem right to the world. They may think you've lost your mind. They may think you're out to lunch. They may think anything that they want to think. But if you're following God, who cares? God is God. And he has a plan. And he's trying to work it well for us. And that's his plan in all of that. But you see, in 1 Corinthians it says in there that, let me read it to you. I'd rather do that than try to quote it. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 says, For you have... You have, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to, to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world that the things which are despised, God has chosen. <laughs> and the things which are not to bring to... Th- to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and the righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. If God were to call you to do something you could do on your own, what would be the purpose? Huh? What would be the purpose? There wouldn't be a whole lot of person that wouldn't because you still think you were doing it. But when God calls you to do something that's way out of your comfort zone, way out you don't know what's happening, way out where you don't know how you're going to get there, way out you don't think you got the money, way out you don't think you got the car to get there, way out of whatever, and it gets done, then who gets the glory? Because we have to know that God won't get the glory. God wants you to know that he's the one who made the way. God's the one who wants you to know that when the water's parked and you walk through on dry land, he's the one who did that. God wants you to know that. God wants you to know that and understand that because he's come to bless you. He can only bless you if you listen. He can only bless you if you follow and walk. Because you see, otherwise, I watched my daughter-in-law last night with the four kids. She was at our house. And Jen told her how impressed she was with the way she takes care of these four kids and keeps them in line. And I am too. But I can tell you right now, when they step out of line, somebody brings them. That somebody takes care of them, getting them back in the line. And when you walk out of line, God's going to take care of getting you back in line. And that's the way it works. We are God's kids. We are his chosen. And he didn't choose me because I had $3 million. He didn't choose me because I looked good. And he didn't choose me because I had drove the big car. He didn't choose me because I had a house up on a hill that would, uh, would had 15 bathrooms and 18 bedrooms. And he didn't choose me because of that. He chose me because I was available. He chose me because he wanted me. He chose me because he loved me. When all else fails, my God loves me. If, it, if in my lifetime there comes a, eh, it never happened, but if it ever comes a place where Jen no longer loves me, my God will still love me. He will still be the one who's there for me. 
He will still be the one who's ready, waiting, willing, and able to do anything I ask him to do. As long as I follow. As long as I follow. Sometimes we make it so hard. Sometimes we make it so hard. We, we take all this stuff that God does and God wants us to do, and we make a big deal of it like it can't ever be done that way, God. We don't know how to make it work that way. You don't have to know how. Really, you don't have to know how. There were, there were times when I was raising Aaron and Sam when they didn't understand what I was trying to get them to do, and I told them just because I said. That's that simple. And that's what God says to us a lot of times. God, I can't do that. Yes, you can. How do you know? Just because I said. Just because I said. I, th- I think a lot of times, uh, we just come through the Easter season, and I, I, I think a lot of times when it comes to knowing how much God loves us, we get all muddled up and we f- don't really understand how much. We don't really understand how much. I've often likened the uh, uh, love God has for us as the love a mother has for her kids. Because the the fathers sometimes are out of the picture. You know what I mean? We come and go sometimes, and we have work to do, and we have things to go, places to be. And you're you're still dad, and that's a good thing. But the wife and the mother is in the house 24 hours a day, 365 days a year with those kids. And she's the one who loves them, who cares for them. She's the one who probably more than likely gets up in the middle of the night when they're coughing and when they're wheezing and they don't know what's going on or they're vomiting or whatever. She's the one who gets out of bed and goes and takes care of that. And that's what God does. God's the one who's always, 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 always there. That's what he is. He's always there and doing what he does best, which has been our strength, our shield, the one who watches, the one who cares for us. That's what he does. Hallelujah. God gave me this last week, and I, I, I told my home group about it Sunday or Monday. So uh, I'll give you guys a little bit of it too. Isaiah 51 says, Listen to me, my people. If we didn't have anything else to do, we could just say, listen to me, my people. Mm. You know, in the day and age we live in, sometimes I hate the stuff that's coming out of Washington, D.C. And I have a real hard time listening to them. But when God speaks, he says, listen, Mike. Hear me. Somehow, Alice and I have a thing here that, that is, is kind of unique, I think. You know what I did yesterday so, so I could finish up this message? I went out and mowed grass. Didn't I? <sighs> me and God can get so close in that lawnmower, it ain't even funny. I don't know how that works. I don't have a clue how that works. But when I go out and spend time riding that lawnmower with all that noise and all that racket going on, God can really talk to me. Listen, my people. That just tears the heart right out. Listen, my people. He's not talking to some Tom, Dick, and Harry out here who doesn't have a clue. He's talking to us. He's talking to us. Listen, my people. Listen, my people. 
Skip on down. But my salvation will be forever. <laughs> nothing the world can do, nothing the saint can do will ever take that away. It's going to be there forever. <laughs> and my righteousness will not be abolished. Listen to me, you who know righteousness. You people in whose heart is my law. Do not fear for the reproach of men, nor be afraid of their insults. That's pretty plain, ain't it? People are going to say what they're going to say about you. You're not going to be able to stop that any way you want to. It ain't going to happen. They're going to, they're going to do some things that will cut you to the quick. They're going to do some things that will just tear you up. But God said, don't get involved in that. Don't worry about it. Verse 12, I, even I, am he who comforts you. That's the best guarantee you could ever get. If you, get, if you got a car and it's got a five-year, five 50,000-mile guarantee on it, great. If you got a seven-year, six-year, seven-year, whatever, and it's great, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But here, I, being God, am the one who comforts you. Who are you that you should be afraid? You got that? No matter where God's going to put you, no matter what he's going to do with you, if God has called you to go do that, why should you be afraid? He made this whole place. He did everything he could to make this thing right. And, and give us. I love spring. I can look out my, the door of the house and watch the trees change, watch the leaves come out. I can watch the flowers start coming forth. I can watch the grass grow green. And God made all that. So if he's smart enough to make all that, I'm sure. I'm positive that whatever you face, wherever you walk, he can take care of that too. Why should you be afraid of a man who will die? Of the son of man who was made like the grass. And you forget the Lord your maker. You know, we do that. We get so wrapped up of who, who is accepting us and who isn't accepting us. Who's allowing us to talk and who's allowing us not to talk. And who's allowing us to do this. Who's allowing us to do that. That we forget that God does all that for us. God does all that for us. God stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. And you have fear continually every day. Anybody in this room live in fear every day? You don't have to raise your hand. But if you do, listen to me. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry about what tomorrow holds. You don't have to worry about how it's all going to work out. (laughs) Because the guy who made it all has got it all figured out. We walk through a lot of stuff that doesn't make a lot of sense sometimes. And we get all worked up and fired up and wondering why it's working that way or why it's not working that way. And really, you, you, you ever seen the Geico commercial where the guy's sitting behind a desk and he, he and the little gecko are talking and he decides that the best way to figure this thing out is you've got to learn how to trust. So he goes out and he tells the gecko to catch him. And he falls backwards. Well, I doubt real well if that gecko thing worked out, but I know this much. I know this much because I've had experience. (laughs) I can fall back into the hands of my Lord. He'll catch me. 
He'll guide me and he'll help me through all that. And he's never dropped me one time. Not one time has he dropped me. That's what he does. He's God. And he's not going to throw you away and he's not going to allow you to get away and he's not going to do any of that stuff. He, he sent a fish to keep Jonah from running. Now, I, you know, the side of the river is a little bit polluted, I think, according to what they tell us. So, I'd, I, number one, I'd really have a hard time meeting any fish coming out of the side of the river. But I don't want you really want to get caught in the side of the river. But if I try to run down the side of the river and get away, God would send something to stop me, I'm sure. And we need to know who God is and what he does. Verse 15 says, But I am the Lord your God, who divided the sea, whose waves roared, and the Lord of hosts is his name. And I have put my words in your mouth. You can't... <laughs> uh, you can't... If God has put the words in your mouth to speak to somebody, or to speak to a group of people, even though you may feel inadequate, may think that you can't speak right and eloquent, and you may not have all the high fluting education in the world. I don't know about you all, but I graduated from any other high school, and that's as far as my education has went. Therefore, every now and then I say ain't. And therefore, every now and then I generally let me know what I don't, when I butcher it, butcher. The English language. She'll let me know about that. But we have to know that God has given us the words to say. He didn't say we would say them exactly right. Moses was slow of tongue. Moses was slow of tongue. Didn't think he could talk to him. And that probably would happen too. If you, if you God put something in your heart that you need to accomplish, need to go forth and do, and you say, I can't. I can't talk fast enough. I don't have that problem. I talk too fast, some people say. That, that God will send somebody across your path who will help you do that. Who will help you accomplish the things that he's set in the mind for you to do. That's God. Again, he's always in control. Always. And he's never caught by surprise. He's always in control. He knows exactly what's going to take place. He knows when it's going to work and how it's going to plan out. I have covered you with the shadow of my hand. <laughs> I don't know how you can possibly. I had an experience. It's been about, I don't know, five years ago maybe. I was having one of those nights at work. Anybody ever had one of those nights at work? I was on last trick. My pastor had always told me, he said, Mike, God's called you there for a time just like this. To do what you have to do. And uh, where I work at, there's a bunch of coracks. And when, they, when I say coracks, they're uh, 150 inches long by six foot high. I can barely reach the top of the row when they put it on there to pull it out. And I, I was cutting cores. And to get to the restroom, I had to walk around these racks and go to the restroom. And so I was walking around these racks. And when I walked around the corner of this rack, I'm telling you the truth, I felt two big arms hug me. Wasn't nobody around. Hug me and let me know it was okay. 
God will do that. Keep you in his hand. Keep you where you're walking. Keep you where your life means something. Keep you where everything will work out. God will do that. You can't do it yourself. Don't think you're going to live this life and have everything figured out and you're going to make it work the way that you think it's going to work. Because if you do, you'll probably end up messing it up. But God will do all that. I have put my words in your mouth, and I've covered you with the shadow of my hand, that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth and say to Zion, you and I, you are my people. quiet. You are my people. There's nothing any better than that. I've, I've, I've always been pretty proud of being a Heinz. I've always been pretty proud of the fact that I was Merle Heinz's son. I've always been pretty proud of that fact. Do you know what? Mm. To know that the God of the universe is my father. To know that God of the universe has made my way, who has taken care of me, who has watched over me when I didn't know that he was watching. And made those things work right. It's such a blessing to know that. It's such a wonderful thing to know that God is God. It's such a wonderful thing to know. To know. Because you, know, you don't know anything, a whole lot about the people in this world. Some of them you can trust. And some of them you can't. But to know, to know that I can trust God. I put my full confidence in him to know that he's going to take care of everything. And he's going to work it out. That's my God. He may be your God, but that's my God. You're never ever going to be perfect, okay? Okay. They'll never get that in mind. It's never ever, you're never ever going to be perfect. There are going to be times when you're going to mess up and do things that don't make any sense. That you've walked away from God or whatever. You've walked away from his plan. But he's always there. Waiting. Just waiting. To welcome you back. To pull you back. To say, child, I'm here. I'm here. That's God. That's God. So I'll stand. I'd like for leaders to come forward. Now, I don't know what you've been through this week, and I have no idea what's going on in your life. And I have no idea how you feel about things. I have no idea where you're going to go with this. But listen to me and hear me good. My God loves you. And my God has a plan for you that is better than anything you could ever think or know or imagine. And my God desires that you and Him have a personal one-on-one relationship. That's a good thing. That's about the best thing you could ever want. So if you're in a position this morning where you're depressed or upset or maybe just hadn't been a good week and you'd like to have somebody pray for you, we got all these good people 
up here who are waiting anxiously to pray with you. I'm going to tarry long, but I'm going to give you a few minutes to make a decision. This is the place where you can find everything you ever want to know about God's right here. Trust Him. Follow Him. Let Him be everything for you. And God will meet you there. Okay. Father, we thank you, Lord, for everything you've done. Thank you now, Father, for all that you're going to do, Father God, in these next few minutes. I pray, God, that there is somebody here, Father God, who needs you, Lord. I pray, Father God, they'll find you right here, right now, Lord God. Draw them to you, Father God, and love them, Father God, without measure, Father. I thank you, Father, and I praise you for that now, Lord God. Help us, God, I pray in your name. Amen. Now's the time. You can stand back there and leave here and leave the same way you came in, or you can come up here and maybe find something.